Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis. And to be honest with you, there'd be nothing I'd love more than to ask everybody how they're doing. But again, it's a podcast, so I'm probably not going to get a response. But I was just thinking about this as I was uh, setting up my new website. Um, I'm thinking of doing some uh, live webinars and some recorded webinars. And uh, I would love to get your feedback um, to just see uh, if you folks would be interested in uh, some live webinars about different diagnoses and different um, orthopedic evaluation techniques and whatnot. And um, we would kind of be bringing all of this information together uh, a little bit better so that uh, we take these little tidbits that we talk about in our podcast and in our YouTube channel and really kind of piece all this together and answer questions uh, for you and really give you some direction on um, better evaluation and uh, treatment skills. Um, but today, what we're going to do here is, so yeah, please uh, you know send me a, a note uh, or a, a message at paul at orthoevalpal.com. I'd love to get your feedback. Back, um, if this is something that you would uh, like to do, uh, but the website is coming online here real soon, and uh, there's gonna be a lot of information on there for you. Um, so, folks, today we're gonna be talking about how you talk to your patient about low back pain. Now, low back pain is complicated; it's confusing to patients, and, and don't be afraid to admit it. It's confusing to medical providers also, okay? It's happened to all of us. Um, as a lot of us have had back pain, and it's difficult to treat. It's difficult to manage. Um, but I want to talk to you about how we can make that transition from, um, you know, being in a significant amount of low back pain to a more pain-free environment um, a little bit easier. So today we're going to be talking about different types of pain presentation. We're going to be talking about, you know, expectations, how to explain to your, your patient what kind of expectations they should have. Um, we'll shoot in uh, some statistics and talk a little bit about some terminology, you know, about, you know, the, how terminology can build so much anxiety and confusion. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what society thinks of you, you know, when you have back pain and what you think society thinks of you when you have back pain. Um, But before we do that, I'd like to just take a moment to uh, hear a word from our sponsors. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, boy. 
This is going to be a loaded episode today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you know my experience working with low back pain patients and, and how that can help you manage your low back pain patients better. Um, you know, notice that um, I said manage, not just treat your patients. Um, but what you need to do is um, you know remember that these patients who have back pain um, are some of them are workers, some of them are athletes. Um, um, you know, some of them have some psychosocial um, issues uh, that fall into place when they have back pain, um, and you know, quality of life becomes a, a real issue. So it's um, you know, it's not just a physical problem. You know, it's also a psychological issue um, that uh, you need to be uh, somewhat aware of and concerned with. Now, remember, you know, eight out of 10 people in their lifetime will develop a significant amount of back pain. And 80 to 90% of low back pain episodes will, re- will, you know, relieve themselves and resolve themselves in about two weeks' time, no matter what they do. Um, so, you know, that's, that can be reassuring for a patient who has acute low back pain that, you know, a majority of folks will get better naturally over time. Um, so, you know, some of the things that that I, I want to talk to you about today, you know, is is what do you tell your patient? Um, you know, when you see them and when they they come in and they're suffering from low back pain, um, you know, you can throw your arms in the air and say, "Well, there's not much I can do for you." But there are, you know, over time, I have seen these patterns with patients and how they respond best. Uh, And I am not a perfect diagnostician by any means. Uh, I can tell you that I have seen a considerable number of low back pain patients, a considerable. And when I say considerable, I I can definitely say well over a couple thousand patients um, easily um, with different uh, low back issues. Not all patients with low back pain need to have diagnostic testing, okay? So you need to... Patients want immediate answers nowadays. They go on the internet and they have friends tell them they need to do this, need to do that. Not all of them need to have diagnostic testing. It all starts off with a good clinical exam, okay? That is very, very important. And what I'll do is in the show notes, I'll, I'll put in my low back playlist so you can take a look at some of the clinical tests that we do for uh, low back pain. Uh, might even see a few patients in there with uh, some low back pain uh, issues. And, um, you know... A good clinical exam is the most important thing to start with, okay? Um, If a patient seems to be showing some element of improvement, even if it's minuscule, um, keep going with that. Um, Even if they're in quite a bit of discomfort, if they say, you know, I'm 5% better than I was yesterday, then that's great. They're probably going to continue to show some improvement. Um, Explain to your patient that too much rest is not a good thing. Now, 25 years ago when I was practicing, um, I'm still practicing, but 25 years ago when we were seeing patients, you know, it wasn't uncommon for a patient to be prescribed four to six weeks of bed rest. And that's like complete bed rest, like doing nothing else. Um, And then research over time showed that, you know, it it shouldn't be more than two weeks of bed rest. Then it shouldn't be more than um, four days of bed rest. Then it wasn't two days of bed rest. And now, uh, really, the indication is, you know, bed rest a maximum of one day um, and then start to move again. And so that that philosophy of how you treat and manage and the research behind that, it really shows you've got to get going. Um, and, you know, most of my patients who have a back surgery 
Um, it's one day surgery now, and uh, even like fairly large fusion surgeries, if they're in there for more than 24 hours, um, I'm pretty surprised uh, by that. Um, they want them up, they want them walking, and um, they progress better when they're moving. Um, so, and by moving, I mean safely moving. Walking uh, has always, in my experience, been a very healthy activity to do if you have back pain. Um, so, not a, a very aggressive walk and not running, um, but walking um, is a very good thing to do. Um, the third thing. A low back problem is not always associated with low back pain, and I will explain that to patients. Oftentimes, they'll come in and they'll say, oh my word, I lifted on a chair, and my I had severe, severe low back pain for two days, but then it went away, and now all of the pain is in my leg, and I don't have any more back pain. Um, so what happens in a situation like that is you can... Uh, start to tear the disc in, in the back. And when it starts to tear, it causes a severe amount of low back pain. And they've done studies on this where they've taken electrodes, put it into the disc, shocked it, and asked the patient what they felt. And they, they talk about a lot of muscular spasm and pain around the low back. And then they will take uh, that electrode, put it next to a nerve root, and um, give them a little jolt, and they'll say they have pain down the leg, but not necessarily have any back pain associated with it. So what we know is that as this disc starts to tear, it causes a significant amount of back pain and spasm, but once it tears completely and the uh, nucleus pulposus comes out and the torn fibers are not pulling on each other anymore, you're not developing that, that localized low back pain and spasm anymore, but because the nucleus pulposus is now compressing the nerve root, um, it's causing pain down the leg. So it is not uncommon to see just isolated leg pain, radiculopathy, loss of sensation, loss of strength, loss of reflex, and not have any low back pain whatsoever. Um, so patients need to understand that, that just because they don't have pain in their back doesn't mean it's not coming from their back. Um, medicine can be helpful uh, with patients. Uh, oftentimes, you know, patients will develop a significant amount of inflammation. Well, inflammation causes pain. And what does pain do? Pain induces spasm to help protect the area and splint the area so it doesn't move too much. Um, and along with that spasm, you have loss of function. Then you stop moving. And when you stop moving, um, that becomes uh, an issue. So it's very important that um, you, know, you try to decrease some of that inflammation if you can. Some people do really well with a steroid taper, a medrol dose pack, or uh, some sort of an anti-inflammatory. Other people are prescribed um, muscle relaxers, and I've seen that to be uh, not very helpful uh, because it's dealing with the spasm, but it's not uh, really addressing the cause of the problem, which is all of the inflammation um, causing a lot of that irritation. So, you know, um, the next thing I want to talk about is a little bit of terminology, you know, patients, you know, you have to reassure patients that, um, you know, their disc did not slip out of place or, um, you know, they didn't throw their back out. Um, you can, can really decrease the anxiety and confusion about this, you know, because, um, it's, it's terminology has been used for years and years and years. And, you know, patients, start to um, develop this uh, this stigma when they have low back pain and they feel like um, like I do when I had a, a bad batch of back pain a couple of weeks ago, which really prompted me to talk about this. Um, you know, it, 
people look at you a little bit differently. You know, what is your secondary gain? Do you have secondary gain, you know, or uh, is it because you don't want to do something or, uh, oh, wait, you've got back pain and, you know, um, it leads to uh, all kinds of issues. Um, I'm the type of person who likes to work. I work constantly. I have three uh, small businesses on the side of being a full-time physical therapist. And um, when I'm set back, it's... it's um, psychologically traumatic. Um, I like to keep moving. I like to keep doing. And um, to, to, to be held back by something like that can be really um, uh, a downer. And I'll tell you what, it really can build some anxiety. Um, you know, like here is a classic example. Um, your cousin says, you know, uh, I had a herniated disc and my doctor told me that I did, that I, if I don't have surgery, I could be paralyzed. And they use terminology that's very, very um, scary. And or patients will say, "Well, I went to Google, and Google says that I have this, this, and this, and um, it's quite a problem." And so patients come in already in a major panic mode and uh, very upset about um, what they've heard from others or what they've seen on the internet. So really, tell your patients to throw all that stuff aside because that's that that doesn't always apply to everybody. And it certainly may not be applying to them. So get your patient under control and and tell them not to listen to that. Um, you know, don't let your patient get carried away with medical terminology, especially for some reason patients get their hands on their MRIs or their X-rays and they see you know things like uh, severe uh, hypertrophied uh, facet joints and uh, severe canal stenosis, foraminal narrowing, severe nerve root compression, all of these terms, um, and they think they're going to die. They come into you in a major panic mode, um, and they're just they're beside themselves. I'm going to give you a little example here, a little story about an 85-year-old lady that um, we brought into a lecture that we gave one time uh, in regards to low back pain. And um, so this lady was 85 years old. Her MRI showed and stated that she had severe central canal stenosis on a multi-level um, and also had severe foraminal stenosis at a multi-level. Severe degenerative joint disease throughout all the facets of her lumbar spine and severe degenerative disc disease with um, significant loss of disc height. Well, when looking at that, you know, and just looking at that MRI, you would think this lady could not walk. Um, she comes in with a walk. She has a limp on the right side and her pain is in her right low back. Well, we evaluated her. And clinically, did not look like she had any problems with her low back. She had good reflexes. She had good sensation. She had negative straight leg raise test. Um, and um, no obvious signs of significant nerve root compression or anything of that sort. But when we assessed her hip on the right side, we found that she had severe signs of hip osteoarthritis and um when we tested her, she had loss of internal rotation, loss of flexion, loss of hip adduction. And um, we had an x-ray taken of this lady's hip, and she had severe, severe arthritis. She had no more hyaline cartilage. Um, her, her femoral head was nearly square. Um, she underwent a hip replacement, and her low back pain completely got better. So that's a classic example of how you should just not look at all of this terminology uh, and let that guide how you treat uh, your patient. So your clinical exam needs to be very, very clear and concise when uh, working with somebody. Um, you know, the low back, the low back is, uh, is a box of tricks. 
it is so difficult to diagnose. Um, and, you know, except for like, you know, a herniated disc, which can be very isolated to one area and give you very clear signs and symptoms. Most of the time, people get the diagnoses wrong. That's been pretty well proven. Um, but, you know, take your time when evaluating low backs. Give your patient, you know, appropriate expectations. Match up the clinical exam with the diagnostic test. And treat your patient for a reasonable amount of time. Don't beat a dead horse just because the patient has a diagnosis, okay? Give them a couple of weeks. They should be showing some improvement. If your treatment plan um, is covering your evaluation and, and is working toward the diagnosis that you came up with. If you're having a difficult time with your patient and, and they're not getting better, collaborate with others. You know, I speak on a regular basis with a radiologist, a neurosurgeon, um, a physiatrist, the patient's PCP. I talk to interventional pain specialists and we bring a plan together for patients so that we can do one thing. And ultimately it's to decrease their pain and increase their function, which improves their quality of life. Don't be afraid to call others. And we've had, you know, we've had podcasts about this and we've had talks about this in the past. Um, you know, don't try to do everything yourself. Um, that can, uh, that can get you into trouble. So, um, you know, help your patient work around the pain, teach them positioning techniques. Um, not a lot of sitting for a long period of time, long trips in the car, um, you know, frequently change the position and, um, you know, instruct them in proper body mechanics so that they know how to lift, push and pull or position themselves appropriately when they're, um, at work or, um, doing things around the house. And here's probably the most important thing that I've learned over the many years of being a therapist, um, and treating low back pain is be positive with your patients, be encouraging. This is such a discouraging time for the patient. Um, and they need all the help they can get. Um, it's not like you can just um, put uh, the back in a sling like you would with your arm or um, splint a finger that is broken. Um, it, it really affects how you walk, how you move, how you sleep. Um, and disturbed sleep uh, is something that definitely will uh, decrease the, the healing time. Um, so again, folks, we could talk for days on low back pain. Send me your questions. Um, let me know if you want to do webinars regarding some of this information and uh, we will make these a little more lengthy so that um, we can we can really talk about this um, in some detail. Send me your questions to paul at orthoevalpal.com. Make sure you check out the links uh, in the show notes and stay tuned um, because we are going to be having a new website called orthoevalpal and uh, there you will be able to take a look at um, some different guides that we have to offer. We're going to be doing some webinars, online education, education and um Please make sure that you take some time to uh, go over to um, Apple Podcast and uh, Spotify. Give us a rating and review. We would really appreciate that. And uh, we'll give you a shout out on the show if you do that. Um, again, folks, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.